You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. John 11. And I'm going to do something tonight that I, I haven't done before. Um, and that is, about a year ago, I... It was during COVID, and so we weren't meeting in person, and, um, and so I preached a message on a Wednesday night in April last year, and it's been right about, right about a year, and it's been on my mind to preach it again, and this time, I mean, in my mind, I'm thinking I'm going to preach it for real this time, because I'm not just going to preach it to a camera, and uh, there's just a few of you in the room, and I couldn't get away from this message, and it's been on my heart. And literally this afternoon, I mean, this was probably, a, this was about a 645 decision. And so um, I have no idea how it's going to go. We'll see. Uh, but just felt strongly compelled that this is the message I should preach tonight. And so we won't be in our Why Baptist series. John 11 is where we're going to be in verse, beginning in verse 1, is where we'll begin reading. John 11, verse 1. It says, Now a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. And his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, and goest thou thither again? And this doesn't have as much to do with the story. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. These things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus, Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. But they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. And we'll, we'll look at more of the story. But I've always been a little fascinated at Jesus Christ's answers here. Because his answers almost seem to be a little bit complacent. A little bit apathetic to their, to their needs. And yet we find out that in his answers that may have seemed a little bit insensitive even. He was, he was doing something that would be better for them. And we're going to look at that tonight. I'm calling it, it's not around, but through. Not around, but through. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth. I pray that you'd help me to convey it. And uh, you know what I need from you tonight, Lord. I pray that you'd give it to me and help me. But Lord, most importantly, then, that you would help us all to hear the message. And that it would be conveyed clearly. 
and that you would speak very clearly through your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In 1980, Rosie Ruiz, maybe this is a name you're familiar with, maybe not, she was declared the winner of the Boston Marathon with a time of just under two hours and 32 minutes, which as at, at that time was a Boston Marathon female record. She's, that's, that's very fast. She was celebrated. I mean, instant fame was heaped on her, and, and she was previously completely unknown. And, but on the, at the same time that the, the fame was being, being given to her, doubts started to rise because none of the spotters along the course remembered seeing her, nor did any of the other runners. She wasn't in any photographs. She wasn't in any of the video footage. And eight days later, she was stripped of her title when it was discovered she had taken a subway to the finish line and only run the last half mile of the race. Like, that sounds like my kind of marathon right there. And it spawned a popular t-shirt that read Rosie Ruiz Track Club, and it had a picture of train tracks on it. So if you had one of those, those uh, you probably would have a, a vintage, uh, valuable t-shirt if you have one of those. Her name will forever be linked with cheating. You know, if this has happened in other sports as well, and you've got other players, if I say the name Barry Bonds, uh, those of you that are sports fans, you think, uh, you think cheater. If I say the name Mark McGuire, you know, those, those two guys provided some of the greatest moments, the, the exciting moments in the 19, late 90s and early 2000s, and, and only they, they were caught up in a performance-enhancing drug scandal that prevented them and many others from ever probably getting into the Hall of Fame. Uh, Lance Armstrong, if I say his name, you don't think, you know, stand-up guy. You probably, if you know anything about cycling, you think about um, him being a cheater. He's one of the greatest road racing cyclists of all time. He won the Tour de France um, seven times, I think. But in in 1999, uh, there were doping allegations, and it was concluded uh, 13 years later after a long investigation that he was part of the, the greatest performance-enhancing drug scandal that any sport has ever known. And his name will, for, will never be respected again. And in these cases, taking a shortcut, it gave a short-term advantage, but it gave no long-term benefits. It's a good lesson in life. You know, if you're wanting to try to work out or get in shape, you can, you can take a shortcut and it would feel better in the moment, but in the long run, you, it won't help you. If you have those kids in here that are going to school, you've got young people and, and children in here, if you've got schoolwork to do, and, and you could cheat to bypass um, the work, but you would also bypass the learning, which is the point of going to school. It's human nature to avoid the pain and avoid the difficulty. We'd often rather have easier than best. And Mary and Martha and the disciples, they have this lesson to learn here in John 11. And Jesus, I'm sorry, Lazarus is very sick. And and his sisters, they send a message to Jesus in verse 3. And they say, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. And obviously Jesus had great affection for this family. They, They assumed then by saying... Uh, Well, we'll just send for Jesus. He knows us. He loves us. We have a tight relationship that he would drop everything and just come help them. They thought he would just come. But it's very interesting, though, when you see Christ's response to their trouble. You see, the Lord responds in three ways that really seem the opposite of somebody that cares. 
This doesn't seem like somebody that loves, at least in our minds. Look at his first response in verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. And it's almost like Jesus is saying, Don't worry about this. It's not, it's going to be okay. It's not a big deal. Have you ever expressed a need to somebody and you're expressing your heart and it was almost dismissed? Like you're bearing your heart on your sleeve and, and they, and, and, and you perceive it as a serious moment. And yet it seems like they just kind of, you know, cast it aside. Well, and I'm not saying that's what Jesus is doing, but in some ways, It sounds like he's saying this is not a big deal, when in reality, we know the story, it was a big deal. Lazarus Lazarus did die. We know that. And so we learned, though, that Jesus has other purposes. We're going to get to it later. But it's tough when someone seems to downplay something that you want to seem like a big deal. Mary and Martha have assumed that that that's what Jesus was doing. Look at his second head-scratching response, verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, and when he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. So his first response was, oh, it's not a big deal. His second response is, I'm going to stay right here for a couple of days. See, it, it, it says Jesus loved them. He knew them, he loved them, he had a relationship with them, and yet his response, not verbally, but his actions almost say, I love them, so I'm not going. And that seems like the opposite of love, doesn't it? Are you awake tonight? <laughs> it seems like the opposite of love. It, it seems like if, if, if you think, you know, when we think someone has a serious need and we love them, our first move is not to sit down. Our first move is to go to them. You say, I love you so much that I'm coming right now. I will not leave you where you are. I love you. I'll be right there. You ever had somebody drop everything for you in a moment that you really needed them? And it's an expression of love. You feel loved, don't you? But, but we assume there's another, we have to assume there's another way to express love because God is love and Jesus waits. He must have a reason. And I, I wonder if maybe it's a little bit like when my children, if they fall and hurt themselves, and I used this illustration last time, but you know, Jace, we were, we were, we made a jump in, in a field by the house and, and he went over the jump on his bike and, and his first time he biffed it hard. His legs got all tangled up in the, in the pedals. And, and his first response was he's laying on the ground and he looks back at me to see my response. You know what a parent's, um, especially mom's natural response is? Yeah, um, get up. No, no. Mom's natural response is to run to the child and to help them up. But, I, but in, my, in my experience as a dad, I'm not sure that's always the best answer. Sometimes it's good for them to not have someone just run to them in the moment and, and, tr- and feel like they have, somebody's going to be there to meet their every need. I don't want my children to be that dependent on me. And so in some ways, I'm, I start to wonder, well, maybe that's what Jesus Christ is doing. And there, I, there has to be a bigger reason for Jesus to wait. He loved them, but there was something else he wanted to accomplish. Look at his third response. He and his disciples are talking about Lazarus. Look what he says in verse 14. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there. To the intent you may believe, nevertheless, let us go unto him. You know, if you stop 
his first few words. You say, he says, basically, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. And you might start to wonder what his intentions are. I mean, I, I imagine there may have been somebody, one of those disciples, and that's all they heard. Lazarus is dead, and I am glad. Like, what? What are, you, what are you talking about? That doesn't even make any sense. Lazarus is dead. But we know that Jesus has a bigger picture. He's got something greater in store. And, I mean, no one should... Li- and I just think about this. You, you start to think they probably were wondering, you know, what Lazarus went to that, that, that went through that as he's dying and nobody was there to help him. And, and nobody should go like that. Nobody should be alone in those moments. No one should have to go through a trial alone. And I mean, it makes me think of COVID the last year and, and how COVID has separated people from their families. And I'm thinking about Renita and her mom and, you know, there are people, how many people have in hospitals died alone because, because of COVID and people are afraid of letting somebody love. It just shouldn't be that way. But think about these, these responses. His responses are this, this illness, do, this illness doesn't lead to death. That's his first one. I'm not going. I love them, so I'm not going. Lazarus has died, and I'm glad I wasn't there. And if you're not paying attention to what he's really doing, you might start to think that Jesus doesn't love them. And it sounds insensitive. It sounds like he doesn't care, but we begin to read in the same passage that he does He loves Mary. He loves Martha. He loves Lazarus. So what's going on? Well, look back to verse 4. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. What he's saying very plainly is this is for my glory. And as always, we find out that Jesus has bigger plans than what we can see. His ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are, are higher than our thoughts. His, his plans are bigger than ours. And they're bigger than our minds can conceive. And that's why he said in verse 15, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent that ye may believe. He's making something clear to Mary and Martha and the disciples. And that is this, I'm in control of this circumstance and I have a bigger plan Your plan for me to heal Lazarus may seem like the best answer. It may seem like the best option. But I'm about to show you something that's even greater than healing Lazarus. So he comes to Bethany where Lazarus has already been buried for four days. And and look at the responses he gets from people. Look at verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and went and met him. But Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lord, if you had been there, we wouldn't have had to experience this trial. That's what she says. First thing she says to him. Sounds a little bit accusatory to me, doesn't it? And maybe you've done that before. You know, you say something to the Lord in a moment of transparency and and maybe it sounds probably more accusatory than it really should. Look at verse 22. But I know that even now, it's almost like she backs it, she backs it up a little bit or backs off a little bit. I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. So she, I appreciate that she has faith. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't, would, would be alive. We wouldn't have had to go through this trial. But I do know, I do know that you can ask whatever you want of God the Father, almost like hint, hint, hint. You can ask. 
whatever you want, and he'll grant it to thee. In verse 23, Jesus saith unto her, thy brother shall rise again. And so you would think that that would be, she would start rejoicing. But, but she really kind of starts to over-spiritualize it. And I think maybe we do this sometimes too. Look at verse 24. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Yes, I know he will, Lord. He will all rise in the resurrection. Bless God, we will. You know, she again, though, and she expresses faith. She knows Christ's abilities, but she misses the point. You see, Jesus Christ, his resurrection, it, he's not talking about down the road. He's saying, no, my resurrection makes a difference today. That's, right. That's what he's saying. My resurrection makes a difference right now. And sometimes we think about the resurrection like it's so far in the future but the, the, the fact that Jesus Christ is alive, it changes everything right now. And they're about to find that out. So she says, yes, I know in the last day he'll rise, we'll all rise. But look at verse 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? What great verses. Uh, Jesus reminds her that she's already been a witness to Christ's power over death. You know how she's already been a witness to Christ's power over death? The fact that she has placed her faith in Christ and he has saved her soul. She was dead and now she's alive. That resurrection power um, has already made a difference in her. Look down at verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him. So now this is Mary. This is not Martha. This is her sister. She, and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been there, my brother had not died. She has the exact same response as, as Martha, okay? Exact same response. You almost think that they were, they've been talking about this. You ever had one person say one thing and then another person, you know, is connected to that person, say the exact same thing, and you're like, they've been talking that's what happens here with Mary. Mary comes and says, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. The same exact words. And look at verse 33. This affects her. It affects him. It says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Okay, that's the one verse that all the kids want to memorize, you know, because you get points for Bible memory. Jesus wept is the easiest one. And it doesn't, I mean, it's just two words, but it's so significant. He's stricken with grief. And there's debate about his reason for, for groaning. And some believe it's due to his, his sympathy for their grieving. And that, that may be part of it. I'm, I, I would imagine that, you know, he feels what we feel. But I believe there's a part of him that's not just grieved at their grieving. He's grieved that these people don't have more faith in him. They should believe this. They should believe he can. They should have more faith. But look at verse 36. Then said the Jews, behold, how he loved him. They're misinterpreting his love. We see that a, a lot in this passage, how people think love looks like one thing, but Jesus' love doesn't always look like what we think it is. This isn't about love. They think, he, they think that Jesus is proving his love by crying. But his love wants them to grow in their faith. That's really what he wants. Verse 37. And some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? I mean, if, they're saying if only Christ. Uh, I would think he's powerful enough, they're saying. I would have thought he would be powerful enough 
to prevent Lazarus from dying. You know what they're saying? We start to see this. Here's what's happening. They're saying, you would have thought he was powerful enough to take Lazarus around this obstacle. You would have thought that he could have, he could have done something so that Lazarus and Mary and Martha, that they wouldn't have had to go through this, that they could have gone around this. See, they still don't understand. His plan was for, for Lazarus to go through death. His plan was for Lazarus to experience this. Jesus is grieved that his followers think he's not in control. Look at verse 39. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, you know, she's that, the one that always has the answers. You know, Martha's that person that always has, she's the first one with the answer. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. And so, so he gives her a Captain Obvious sticker and just keeps on moving. Verse 40, Jesus saith unto her, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God? Do you realize, Martha, do you realize that you still don't see this? I've, I've told you already, I'm about to show you something that you've never seen before. Something that's, that really is going to blow your minds if you would just be open to, to having faith in my power. Look at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. By the way, there's only seems to be one person in this whole story really listening to what Jesus is saying. And it's his father. I mean, I, in some ways, I almost think, Father, I'm thankful that thou hast heard me. Because nobody else is really hearing what I'm trying to say. It says in, in verse 42, And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he, had, he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, and I would have loved to hear these words, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go. I love that phrase. But look at verse 45. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. Praise the Lord. You think that's the end of it. But verse 46. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Isn't that amazing? Jesus makes good on his promise and all eyes see the glory of God. And, and yet some people in the end, they just go tell the Pharisees. They still don't see it. So I want you to just to take a step back. I want you just to consider what's really happening. Okay, his people have an obstacle. The obstacle is that Lazarus is sick. And in their minds, Jesus would prove his love by removing the obstacle. See, are we there? Understand? There's an obstacle. Lazarus is sick. And in their minds, Jesus would prove his love if he would remove the obstacle. Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Lord, if you'd been here, we could have taken a shortcut. We could have gone around the obstacle. But that's not the way the Lord looks at it. See, he allows Lazarus to die because there's a greater lesson to be learned if Lazarus dies. If he can raise Lazarus from the dead, it will convince those watching that they can trust him for anything they'll ever face again. Listen, and if Jesus had healed Lazarus, that would have been a miracle. It, 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 it would have been amazing. It would have blown their minds and they would have been reminded again, Jesus has absolute power over disease. And is it a good thing to remember that Jesus has power over disease? Is it? 
Absolutely it is. That's a helpful truth for Mallory tonight. That's a helpful truth for for Brother Lillybridge tonight. It's a helpful truth for your loved one that has cancer. It's a helpful truth to know that Jesus Christ has power over disease. But listen, and I want you to get this part. There's a greater lesson to be learned. If Jesus had run to Lazarus, it would have convinced Mary and Martha that he was strong enough to defeat disease. But by allowing them to go through the trial, he convinced them he was strong enough to defeat death. You get that? If he had run and rescued him, they would have said he's stronger than disease. But by allowing them to go through the trial, he convinced all of them watching, well, those that wanted to see it, that he was not just greater than than disease, he's stronger than death. They were looking for a shortcut. But if they had taken one, they would have traded a big lesson for a small lesson Going around the obstacle, it's understandable, it's easier, it's quicker, it's less painful, it's human. We find ourselves saying, listen, Lord, take this illness. Take this trial. Father, take this hardship. Take this debt. I mean, take this broken down car again. Give me a shortcut. Take me around. But going around may cause us to miss the lessons that we would learn if we would be willing to go through and learn the lessons God has for us. God is love. But according to this passage, the ultimate expression of love is not to prevent hardship. Love wants what's best. And what's best is not what's always what's easiest or what's quickest or what's less painful. No, listen, Jesus' actions indicate that what's best for them is not the lessons avoided by going around but the lessons learned by going through to the intent that you may believe. What's best for us is growth of faith. We don't get that without tough lessons. And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but you don't get stronger without exercise. You don't get smarter without study. And you don't get better without practice. You don't grow with easy you grow with best. And in the end, God desires for us to go through because it increases our confidence in him. It puts him in a position where we have no wisdom and no strength and no power. We have nothing left but to lean on God with all of our, all of our might, all that we have left. And when we have no hope but in him, there's no way we can take any of the glory for ourselves. We have to believe God. It could have only been him because we had nothing to bring to the situation. To the intent that we may believe. To the intent that our faith in God's ability is grown. To the intent that he receives all the glory. Listen, be thankful that we have a father that loves us enough to take us through. In order to get us to our best. Rather than taking us around so we can just enjoy what's easiest. There are a lot of people facing difficulties. And you know these. I know these. I mean... Just the kind of phone calls you get as a pastor. I lost my job. Coronavirus. You know, marriage struggles. My husband's doing this. My wife's doing this. Sin addictions. Fear and anxiety. Finances. Terminal illnesses. Teenagers running away. 
the death of a family member. I mean, go on and on. I mean, lawsuits among family members. It's hard. And it's difficult. But we have to battle the thought that God doesn't love us because he hasn't provided a shortcut around. We must remember that God actually proves his love by giving us the grace and opportunity to grow by taking us through. The most convincing proof of this principle is how God dealt with our sin through his own son. You know, even Jesus Christ, as he was in the garden, he was saying, let this cup pass. And listen, I know he's all God, but he was also all human. And he had a body and he knew what was coming and he was in distress. And he said, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. You know what he was saying in essence, without making it too trite? He was saying, Father, please give me an option around. Can you imagine what we would have missed if he had gone around the cross? I mean, again, not that he could have. I know that's not how it works, but his human side was not looking forward to what lay ahead for him. And and knowing that, it gives us confidence that God will give us all the resources to grow through it because he didn't even spare his own son from going through it. We have his strength because we have none. We have his grace because we're at our end. We have his wisdom because we don't know what to do. And we have his help because we cannot help ourselves. And if he's proven that death submits to him, then nothing I face today or tomorrow or next week or next year or any other time in my life is too big for God. And I'd hate to get through a season of potential faith building which, you know, we, we came through a year of, of a lot of opportunities to grow in our faith. But it's not over. I mean, there, there are new, and I would say bigger challenges ahead. And I would hate to get through this and realize that I spent the whole time asking for a shortcut. Rather than asking God to teach me the lessons I needed by going through So a lot of us are like Rosie Ruiz and we know we need to get to the finish line, but we want to, we're looking for a train. But it may not be God's will for you to get on the train. It may be God's will for you to just one step at a time, run the whole thing. And when you get to the end of it, yeah, you may be worn out and exhausted and you may have nothing left, but you would have learned some lessons. We're too often like one of those folks saying, if he would only got here earlier. Now, Lazarus would have died, wouldn't have had to die. And and it's true. But you think about this. If he would have gotten there earlier and Lazarus would have never died, they would have never been there that moment. The stone rolled away. And they watched Lazarus bound up. I would have loved to have seen it. Walking out of the grave. They would have never heard the words, Lazarus, come forth. They would have never heard the words, loose him and let him go. So I'm asking you, which lesson do you think is greater? The one that would have been easiest for them or the one that would have been best for them? And it's through the obstacle that God grows you. So I'm just here tonight to encourage you to say, stop looking for a shortcut. 
Don't look for a way around, but you may not ever get one. And you might miss the lessons that God wants you to learn by taking you through. If the end is his glory and the end is my growth, I'm telling you, that's the best path. No matter how hard, no matter how daunting, no matter how hopeless it seems, let, let him take you through and teach you the lessons like, okay, I'm greater than death. Because if once you learn that one, you'll realize there's nothing he can't handle in my life. Let's stand together. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I would encourage you to, uh, to do business with the Lord if he's worked on you tonight about this truth. And there are, there are people going through things. And you're facing some struggles and, and, they, and it's daunting. And right now all you can really think of is, Lord, take me around this. And yet maybe his perfect plan for your life is to walk you right through it. Because he knows that your greatest growth and his greatest glory will be found through the obstacle, not around it. So would you submit to him tonight and, and commit that you won't miss the lessons that he's trying to teach you through the difficulty? Father, I pray that you have your will and way. Lord, I know that um, this truth is, is helpful, but Lord, I, I pray that we wouldn't have, by hearing it before, maybe that we wouldn't assume we didn't need it tonight, God. We don't know, maybe somebody's in the middle of a trial, but maybe there's a trial coming tomorrow that we don't see yet, and, you, and, and you're preparing somebody, maybe. God, however it works, Lord, tonight, wherever we are in the process, I pray that we would submit ourselves to your process. And be willing to go through, God, whatever it is, speak and work however you choose tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. As the instrument plays, Miss Sherilyn plays, I would encourage you to take a moment to respond tonight to this truth about how to respond and treat the trials that you're facing in your life as Sherilyn plays. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.